No, Clement is not here, so there'll just be the three of you today. Why don't we welcome them as they come forward? Well, first of all, we'd like to welcome Eliza Adamthwaite to come and share her testimony. Thanks, Eliza. Good morning, everyone. Um, I often cry when I do these sorts of things, so I want to just apologise before I even begin. <laughs> um, I'm Eliza, and I'm married to David, and we have a little boy called Jude. Um, I've struggled for about a year over whether I should be baptised. Um, but God has revealed several ways he wants me to serve in this church and for me to do that, I need to become a member. Plus, my husband David was baptised here about um, a bit over 12 months ago and I've watched how that decision has really um, changed his life uh, since. But also, now that we have a gorgeous baby boy, um, for us to be a family and to demonstrate to Jude how to be obedient to the Lord um, and that we're united as parents, I've decided it's necessary for me to be baptised. Um, I was blessed to be brought up in a Christian family and my parents baptised me as an infant in the Anglican church and I was confirmed at about 14 years old where I declared to my church that I would commit my life to Jesus. I knew what I was doing then, and although I don't really regard that day as when I became a Christian, um, sorry, I knew what I was doing then, although I don't really regard that day as when I became a Christian, because I don't think there was a single point in my life when I was converted. My family's example meant that following Christ was the natural thing to do, although I've certainly not been obedient to him every day since. I've recommitted my life to the Lord several times since, asking Jesus to draw me closer to him and to fill me with the Holy Spirit. I moved to Melbourne to study journalism at RMIT when I finished school and I had the opportunity to live at Ridley Anglican College, um, one of Melbourne Uni's residential college, colleges. I was surrounded by Christians at Ridley and went to Christian Union at Uni and during those three years the Lord really ramped up his influence over my life. I had some awesome role models at Ridley and did a lot of studying of the Bible. And if I was lukewarm before, things were changing now. I married David two weeks after I finished uni and three months later we moved from Swan Hill to Kiwa so I could take up a journalist position at the Border Mail. A year later we started coming to Wodonga Baptist Church we were, where we were placed in a fantastic small group which has been a huge blessing for both of us. And the friends we've made in this group are so precious. Um, and these couples have really challenged us to live the way the Lord calls us to. Um, the Lord has worked through um, my friend Ellen Kennedy in particular to prod me down the baptism path. Um, perhaps because we share similar backgrounds of infant baptism, confirmation and the struggles of whether we need to be baptised as adults. The way the Lord has worked in my life is so reassuring. He provides for all my needs. In fact, Matthew chapter 6, verse 8 says, the, Our Father knows what we need before we even ask him. But I think Proverbs 3, um, 5 and 6 sums it up for me. Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways acknowledge him 
and he will make your path straight. So now I've decided I need to follow Jesus' example and be baptised by immersion to demonstrate that I'm a believer so I can do his work effectively. A friend told me a story last year about her lying on an operating table having a melanoma removed from her back. Now somehow, who knows how, the topic of heaven came up in discussion between my friend and the surgeon and the theatre nurses while she's been cut open. And one of the nurses said, well, the surgeon will get into heaven because he's a good man. But my friend replied, no, it's not about being good, it's about a relationship with Jesus. And the surgeon said, but isn't there lots of room in heaven? And my friend replied, there's plenty of room. Heaven is like a motel. You just have to make a booking. Well, I've made my reservation years ago, and while I wait to join my Lord in paradise, I pray that he will direct my every move to further his kingdom. Thank you. Thanks, Eliza. Now, Danelle Philby is going to come and share with us her testimony. Good morning, everyone. My name is Danelle, and I'm married to James, and we have three sons, Taj, Zane, and Ari. I'd like to share a little bit about how Jesus came into my life. Growing up as a small child, I was always curious about why we're here and um, the purpose of being alive. And... um, I wasn't brought up in a Christian family, so I had RE at school, in primary school at Bandiana Primary. And um, once a week I'd learn about about God through song and games, and that's how I came to know about God. I struggled through my teenage years. Something was missing within my heart. Nothing was filling it. No matter how happy I was, I had a deep, empty place, and I didn't really know what that was about at all. Um, During that time, um, I hit a a alone point at at the end of high school and this is where I I feel I became a Christian. Um, Jesus made himself very known to me through a quiet moment in the Wodonga School Library. In that moment, I made a decision to follow him. Even though I made that decision at the end of high school, over the next seven years, um, Jesus was on the outskirts of my life. And I still had that empty feeling. In 2005, now I was 24, I was at a funeral of a family friend with my husband, James. There during the service, Jesus again made himself crystal clear this time, saying, come home. This was very overwhelming. And that was the the point where I I made a, a change in my life. From that day, Jesus, through his spirit, has been leading the way. This gives me happiness, strength, fellowship with others and more love towards others. The emptiness I once felt is now completely gone. Thank you. Thanks to now. And now Liz Buffett's going to come and share her testimony. Thanks, Liz. Hello. Um, I'm Liz and I've got a beautiful boy, Caleb, who's three and a half. Um, Growing up, I attended Sunday school and church. Around 22, I studied martial arts and this gave me a lot of self-confidence and physical strength, but emotionally there was a void. Um, I still attended church from time to time and called on Jesus when times were tough. 
At one service I prayed and gave my life to Jesus, but continued on as before, only calling on Jesus when things were really rough. Years later, I filled my emotional void with my husband's love. After 10 years of marriage, my husband said that he hadn't loved me for the last five years. I could physically feel a large hollow void growing bigger in my chest as the relationship collapsed. During this time, things seemed so hopeless that I could not pray, but others were praying for me. So once again, I turned to Jesus. I started to attend church regularly and felt the healing and love God has for me. I wanted every day to be Sunday. I also realised that Jesus was with me during this time of trouble. This gave me strength to trust him and make a conscious decision to follow him. Every day I am building a relationship with Jesus through prayer and reading his word. And from this, Jesus has given me strength to face the future, grace to face my husband and love to fill my void. Thank you. Why don't we pray as uh, we prepare to witness these baptisms. God, we thank you that you've been at work in these three ladies' lives. God, thank you for the movement of your spirit. Thank you for your forgiveness and your grace. And thank you for now uh, these people wanting to be baptised before us today. Thank you that we can witness uh, this act of obedience to you. Thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. Eliza, I want to ask the questions before these people here. Have you turned from your sin, Eliza, and have you put your faith and trust in Jesus as your Lord and Saviour? I have. Great. And do you commit to being Jesus' disciple and to serving him through the church by his grace? I do. Great. Well, we've heard your responses and we've heard your testimony and now, uh, because of your faith in Christ and your testimony, I baptise you in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Now, I want to ask you some questions before everybody here. Have you put your trust and your faith in Jesus Christ as your Lord and Saviour? Yes, I have. Great. And Danelle, do you commit yourself to being Jesus' disciple and to serving him through the church by his grace? I do. Great. We love hearing your testimony, Danelle, and because of your a testimony and your declaration of faith in Jesus Christ. I now baptise you in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit.
please. Hello. Please, I want to ask you some questions. Have you put your trust and your faith in Jesus Christ as your Lord and Saviour? I have. Great. And Liz, do you commit yourself to being Jesus' disciple and to serving him by his grace through his church? I do. Great. Now, Liz, because we've heard your testimony, now it gives me a great pleasure to baptise you because of your declaration of your faith in Jesus Christ. And I baptise you now in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Now, Clement Aguchi has come and he's here now, so why don't we give him a big welcome as he comes in. And uh, we invite you to share your testimony with us too. Welcome. Great. Just relax. We're all relaxed. No worries. I was brought up in a Christian home, but in spite of my closeness to Christians and uh, regularly going to church, I was completely disconnected with God. I was feeling empty, um, but it was in 1995 that in an answer to an altar call, I accepted the gift of salvation. I opened up and God led me to himself and have enjoyed his peace ever since. I've continued to grow closer to God, even though life throws up many questions and challenges. I've continued to enjoy God's faithfulness, love through the knowledge of the salvation. The turning point in my life was when in May, 19, in May 2008, I moved to Australia from Nigeria. I was a, it was a big decision and I wanted God to be a major part of that decision. And he has, he has been faithful. I moved to Wodonga in October 2008, and my family and I have been happy with the fellowship we find at Wodonga Baptist Church, great people and friends who have accepted us and have helped us to integrate well. My faith in Jesus Christ, my faith is in Jesus Christ. He died for me, and I trust in him. I want to be more dedicated to God in Australia, hence my decision to be baptized here today. Thank you. Great. Clement, we've heard your testimony, and uh, I just want to ask you before we baptize you have you put your faith and trust in Jesus Christ as your Lord and Saviour? Yes, I have. Yes. And do you commit yourself to being Jesus' disciple and to serving him through the church by his grace? Yes, I do. Great. Well, Clement, uh, because of your testimony and your faith in Jesus Christ, I now baptise you in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Well, this morning, uh, we've just witnessed four people be baptised, and this is the culmination of, as you've heard, uh, putting their faith in Jesus Christ 
and now they've been baptised and what that means is now they are able to apply for membership as people who have put their faith in Jesus have been baptised and uh, become members. So we're hoping that each of those will really uh, become members as well. And the question that just lingers before us is, are you a Christian? Have you put your faith in Jesus? Uh, If not, why not? Is it because you don't understand it all yet and you're still putting it together? Or is there some things that you just want to still work through? Uh, Then the next question is, if you are a Christian, have you been baptised? If not, are there still some questions that you'd have that you'd like to have answered and thought through as you go through that journey? And the next thing is, are you a Christian? Have you been baptised? And are you a member? And if you're not, then, then there's a great course that these guys each did called the Inquirer's Course. And it's starting in just a couple of weeks' time. If you would like to find out more about becoming a Christian, being baptised or becoming a church member, all you need to do is put on the blue card, Inquirer's Course. And we'll contact you and, and let you know when that's on and you can become uh, some, someone, any of those things, a Christian, be baptised or become a church member. But why don't we just invite these four to come and we want to give you a, a certificate to say congratulations and uh, this will be um, just a great m- memory of this day as well. So Eliza, congratulations, great stuff. And Danelle, great stuff, well done. And also Liz, great Liz. And Clement too, wonderful. Praise God, and we just trust that as you continue the journey with him, you'll know the Holy Spirit's strengthening and you'll continue to live for him for the rest of your days. Let's thank them one more time. Great. Well, this morning, I want to spend a few moments on perhaps one of the most pressing questions that we can ask. Um, How can I cope with stress? I'm going to try and move this. I know this is bad news, Chris, but do you mind if I... There we go. Beautiful. Um, I think it's true, isn't there, that today there are a lot of things that we can get stressed about. I mean, the global financial crisis has dragged Australia into recession. Whilst we're thrilled for the rain that's come, there's more consistent rain for a long time that we need to be able to get back to levels that, that farmers can cope with and that our water catchments can uh, be back to comfortable levels. We see levels of violence often in our local papers that are nothing but shocking. Um, our society, in terms of morals, have, been compl- have completely, it seems, lost its way. We're p- bombarded with marketers phoning at tea time. Our mobiles ding constantly with text messages we're receiving which demand an urgent response. Our Facebook's page needs urgent attention. Our em- em- email box is, uh, inbox is full. Uh, the cows need milking. Our, uh, our boss is just getting more and more demanding. Our workmates keep complaining. Our brother is getting married. Our kids are getting unruly. The dog needs worming. The bills need paying. The lawn needs mowing. Life just seems like it won't slow down. <laughs> How do we cope? How do we cope with all of this? It's an important question to ask because uh, some psychologists just recently, Grossarth, Matic and uh, Eisnick, German people, uh, did some studies and and the findings that they came up with was that you can predict with 80% accuracy who is going to have a degenerative disease 
by the way they react and respond to stress. So it's a very important question, how can I cope with stress? The findings that they came shown that it's not the stress that's the problem in and of itself. It's the way we respond to the stress which causes problems in our life. The way we respond might lead to more anxiety, it might lead to depression, it might lead to heart attacks, it might lead to all other kinds of ailments. Or we can cope in a different way with the stress that we have. One way that they suggest in the findings is that our attitudes play a very important part to whether we'll be able to cope successfully with stress or not. Um, when I think of people who have dealt with stress, I don't think we can find someone who had more stress around them and surrounding them than Jesus himself. Don't you think? I mean, if you just think for a little while about what it must have been like for him, he was constantly under pressure. There were gruelling demands on his time. He rarely had any personal privacy, any time just to himself. He was constantly interrupted by his disciples, by the crowd, by everybody. People repeatedly misunderstood him. They criticised him. They ridiculed him. He had enormous stress. And I think he had the kind of stress that would have caused many of us to cave in. But I think as we look at Jesus' life and as we look through the, the, the scriptures, I think we can find that Jesus really lived his life by some great principles of stress management. They're just clear when we look to see how he lived. And I think if we adopt these principles that he had, it will change our thinking and our attitudes towards the stress in our life and will help us to cope with stress. So what are these principles of stress management that are displayed in Jesus' life? Well, I think the first thing we need to know is I need to know who I am if I'm going to be able to cope with the stress in my life. It's clear that Jesus knew this. He said... I am the light of the world. Jesus said, I am the gate. He said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. Jesus said, I am the good shepherd. He said, I am God's son. The truth is, Jesus knew who he was. There was no, ooh, ah, you know, not really sure with Jesus. And the first kind of principle of stress uh, to, to help handle stress in your life is that you need to know who you are. You just need to know it. And it's a question of understanding your identity. Because I think the more we can understand that, the more it will help us when we're facing stress. It's of critical importance, this question, because if you don't know who you are, you know what's going to happen? Someone else will tell you who they think you are. Someone, someone will tell you if you don't know 
or otherwise subconsciously, you will let other people manipulate you or you'll let other people pressure you into believing that you are somebody that you aren't. And that's when stress starts to really come in. A lot of stress comes about from us, don't you think, trying to hide behind masks, you know, to try and be people that we aren't. Insecurity always produces pressure in our lives. And when we're insecure, we feel like we're coerced to perform and to conform. You know, when we're insecure, we kind of set unrealistic standards that we've got to live up to because we're trying to become someone who we're not. And so what we do is we can work, 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 work because we've set unrealistic expectations, but we never can work enough to meet those expectations and that causes us stress and tension as a result of trying to be who we're not. So it's important to know who I am. And the first way to balance stress in my life is to kind of get an internal balance within me, to know deep down within who I really am. And the way I can know who I really am, I think, is really to know whose I am, who, who I belong to, who, who am I really. And the truth is that I wasn't put on earth just by mistake. I'm not just um, a chance occurrence, my life. Uh, I'm deeply loved by God. I'm someone who is accepted by him through what Jesus has done on the cross. God has a plan for my life. Before I was even born, he knew me and he planned my days. And because he put me here, I'm significant. And you know what? Because he put you here, you're significant. It's no mistake that you're here. It's no mistake that you are who you are. He loves you. He made you. He purposed that you'd be here. He knows who you are. You're significant. And to handle kind of stress in your life, this is kind of foundational. I mean, if you think about this and if you'll wrestle with this, who I am and whose I am, then that will help you in so many different ways. It will help you overcome insecurity. It will help you to be who you are. One of the things I've found incredibly helpful in um, trying to just remind myself who I am and not be controlled by what the media says or what my friend says or what my mum says or what anyone says is just by trying to look at the promises of God in the scripture. And there's just a simple um, little page that I've taken from Living Free in Christ by Neil Anderson. And it's just a simple thing that says who I am in Christ and then it just lists I am God's child and there's a verse there next to that. I am Christ's friend. I've been justified. I'm united with the Lord and one with him in spirit. I've been bought with a price. I belong to God. 
I'm a member of Christ's body, I'm a saint. And it just goes right on. I've run off a whole lot of copies of these and you can grab one from the information desk as you leave. And what a great idea it would be is just to write, like, um, maybe pull one of these out every day for a month. You know, there's more than 30 of them here. And just reflect on who you are in Christ, who you are as a, as a human being. It will affect the stress in your life. It will help you cope. The second thing I think that I need to know uh, that will help me cope with stress in my life is to know who I'm trying to please. If I know who I am, then the next thing is to know who I'm trying to please. And this is found in, we see this in Jesus' life in, in John 5.30. He says, I by myself can do nothing. I judge I judge only as I hear, and my judgment is just. For I seek not to please myself, but him who sent me. So this principle is this. Know whom whom you're trying to please. And it's a question of who am I dedicated to? Who's my life given over to? Who, Who am I trying to please? We can't please everybody. Ever noticed that? I mean, once you try and get this group in your life really happy and pleased, this group is unhappy with you. Have you found that? As soon as you put effort into here, these ones are angry again, and you just can't please it. And even Jesus himself couldn't please everyone, and he didn't try to. So why should we try and do what God didn't do himself? I mean, it just makes sense. So it's foolish to try. Jesus knew who he was trying to please. And he said, I'm going to please my father. And when Jesus was baptised, a dove, the Holy Spirit descended on him like a dove and a voice came saying, this is my son whom I love. With him, I am well pleased. God is so pleased when we live to please him. When you know who you're trying to please, it makes a huge difference in how you handle uh, stressful situations. Because if you just think about it for a minute, if you know who you're trying to please, then it affects the way you handle criticism. Because if you're criticised, you really will be very concerned about what other people think if you're trying to please people. Do you understand that? So being criticised will be a crisis and increase the stress in your life. Another situation is in competition. Like if I'm, uh, some, if, if I'm feeling threatened, I'll be feeling threatened by others when it comes to people that are, I, I sense are my competition because I'm trying to be better than others in other people's eyes. And therefore, they'll be a threat and that will be difficult and I'll spend a whole lot of time stressing because people, I think that I should be better than are better than me and it becomes a stressful situation if I'm trying to please others. Another thing that can happen is that when conflict occurs, if someone disagrees with me, I can't let people disagree with me because I want to please them. And it becomes incredibly stressful. But when you know who you're trying to please, then these, the stress levels go out of these situations. Uh, 
God said, uh, Jesus said, but seek first his kingdom and his righteousness and all these things will be added unto you. This means that if I focus on pleasing God, if you and I uh, give our lives to him, if we dedicate ourselves to him and say, God, I'm trying to live my life for you and your righteousness. And it says, then and all these things will be added to you as well. It means if I do that, focus on God first, seek first his kingdom, then my life will become very simple. It will mean that I'm pleasing God. I'm always trying to do the right thing, the thing that pleases God, rather than trying to do what everybody else thinks I should do. I think we, we love to blame our stress on other people and other obligations that we face. I don't know if you've ever done this, but we kind of say things like, you made me, you know, or, or I have to, you know, or I've got to, when actually there's few things in our life, apart from perhaps our work, um, that, we, that we actually must do. We're actually quite free to make our own choices, aren't we? Apart from maybe at work where we have to do what we've got to do, but... We don't have to let people tell us what, they, what we must do. Um, when we say we have to, you made me, all those kind of things, what we might actually be saying is I'm choosing to because I don't want to pay the consequences. Uh, hardly anybody makes us do anything. So we can't blame other people for our stress. When we feel pressure... We're choosing to allow other people to put pressure on us. We're not victims unless we actually allow ourselves to be pressured by other people's demands. In the movie Chariots of Fire, um, champion runner Eric Little was experiencing pressure from his sister not to run. Uh, She was... Uh, he, he was thinking about going on a mission trip and she was perceiving that he was putting running ahead of his devotion to God by choosing to run instead of going on this mission trip that other people were preparing. And it was putting a lot of pressure on him. But Eric Little had come to terms with who he was trying to please and in the midst of a difficult, even stressful decision, his answer was this to his sister, when I run, I feel God's pleasure. So even a difficult situation which would seem obvious, it must be obvious to go on the mission field. But he knew who he was trying to please and he sensed that when he ran, he felt the smile of God his life and he knew who he was trying to please so even though it would disappoint his family it would disappoint maybe people in his church he chose to please God instead and you know what he came on to be a champion gold medalist in the Olympics and he actually ended up becoming a great missionary to China as well and I think God would have been very pleased with him I need to know who I am. I need to know who I'm trying to please. And the last one I want to share with you this morning is in order to help cope with stress in our lives, I need to know what I'm trying to accomplish. 
in my life. Here's um, a clue to the third principle. When Jesus said this, he said, even if I testify on my own behalf, my testimony is valid. For I know where I came from and where I'm going. I think we see in this verse that Jesus knew where he came from and he knew where he was going. And therefore, when people tried to challenge him about what he was trying to do, he was not stressed about it and worried about it. He just knew and he kept to the task. This principle is to know know what you want to accomplish. Know that. It's a question of organising, organisation. It's a question of how am I going to organise my life so that I can do the things that I really feel that I want to accomplish in life. Christ said, I know where I came from and I know where I'm going. And I think unless you plan your life and unless you set priorities yourself of what's important, you'll be pressured by other people to do what they think you should do and is important. So as, as this comes around, I need to know what I'm trying to accomplish. And every day you'll either live by your own priorities or you'll live by pressures, you know, where people are pressuring you or other things are pressuring you. There's no other option. Either you'll prioritise what's important and do those or you won't prioritise and there'll be just a whole lot of pressures that you've got to do. So I think it's important for you to decide, for us to decide what, what we need to do. It's easy to operate under this urgent thing, you know, where everything's got to be done. And as we come to the end of the day, we think, oh, I've been busy, busy, I've been flat out, I've been really busy. But have I really accomplished what I, uh, anything at all? Have I uh, just expended a whole lot of energy but not really done anything important? And busyness is not necessarily productivity. You might be spinning in circles and not accomplishing anything. Now, when I say that, you might think, oh, I've got to be really productive with my life, producing a lot of this or producing that. Uh, Being productive might be being productive in the area of building great family relationships, you know. It might be being productive in, you know, um, really ministering as well, ministering in the church, using your gifts and skills as well as, you know, being a witness and example and using your gifts at work as well. It's, it's really doing what you feel God has called us to do. I think when it comes to thinking about how I know what I'm trying to accomplish, preparation can help you be put at ease. Preparing well can help. To put it another way, if uh, preparation... Preparation prevents pressure, but procrastination actually produces more pressure. So if you know what you're going to do, then when you prepare well, it will reduce the level of stress in your life. Good organisation and good preparation reduce stress because you know who you are and you know who you're trying to please and you know what you're trying to accomplish. Uh, Just having set goals to do that. Is a great idea. I remember just before Christmas, I had uh, such a massive amount of things. It felt overwhelming to me, the amount of things that I needed to do in the last uh, months of last year. And so I just put a little card in my 
uh, in my wallet and I put in you know, six big priorities which I need to do because there were so many other things that I could do that were good but I knew that this is what the things God wanted me to do in my role here in the church. So I put one, two, three, four, five, six and bought it out every day to keep on it. I think what's a good idea is to actually spend some time each day just pausing in prayer, just for a few minutes and to say, God, this next 24 hours, I've got 24 hours. Is what I'm planning to do in my diary, is what I'm planning to do you know, in, my, in my list, is this what you want me to spend the next 24 hours on? Because I don't want to waste it doing things that you don't want me to do. Asking that is great. Do you know who you are? Do you know who you're trying to please? And do you know what you're trying to accomplish? There's no better time than to answer these questions now because they do help us in the midst of pressures all around to cope with stress. Seven years ago, I was asked by a, a group, a parachurch group called Church Resource Ministries, whether I could be part of their year-long course. And uh, they, uh, the course was called Encourage, and it was aimed at pastors in their 30s, which I'm not now, but I was then. Uh, when they sat us down in the room, uh, you know, about six or seven of us uh, pastors, they explained why they'd invited me to join the course. And they said that the year-long course, the reason why they wanted me to do it, was because they'd found that many pastors start out with great enthusiasm and have a number of skills and people really want them to pastor churches. But what they've found, that by the time they reach late 30s, early 40s, they either burn out, break down or get thrown out of pastoral leadership. And so this course was trying to save pastors in their 30s and 40s from that high probability that would happen. You know what the course taught me in the year that I was there? They went through and they, over the year, they wanted to, me to begin by focusing on who I am. We went through a lot of things just saying, well, here I am as a pastor now. How in my life has God been leading me to this position? And I looked back on events in my life where I felt God was talking to me or calling me or leading me. And the end result of that was to get me to a point where I knew that I wasn't here by chance. God had called me to be a pastor. Then the next thing that they started to ask me to do uh, after, after we'd spent time talking about that was trying to figure out what my values were and what I felt God wanted me to do in the role that I was doing as a pastor. So they were focused on who I am. Next thing they focused on in this course you know, was who am I trying to please? Because many people would want me to focus on this and that and that and everything in the church. But they're saying, no, what do you feel God has called you and uniquely gifted you to do? And how can you do those things? How can you actually please God by using the gifts that he's given you? That was a significant part of this course. The third thing they did was they helped me sit down and figure out a personal mission statement where I would say, okay, God, you've called me to be a pastor. These are the gifts that you've given me and the things that I want to use so I can please you in using them. Now, what is a worthy vision to use for the rest of my life? And we spent a lot of time thinking about my own personal mission statement. 
I think it was so helpful because, you know, four and a half years ago, I came here. And I didn't come just thinking, well, I better see what everyone else, you know, uh, thinks of me and how I should do to please everybody else. I came to you who are already seeking what God was doing and I came with you and together we have sought to please God, to know who we are as a church. That's what the Living Church series was all about, to know uh, who, who we're trying to please. All the time we say Christ is the head of this church and we want to please him and we want to do what he's leading us to. And it was just a couple of years ago when uh, we said together we really want to wrestle with what our vision is. And we've shared our vision is to thrive. Jesus said, I've come that you might have life and have it to the full. And he wants us not to just get by. He wants us to, to grow and thrive and, be, and become people who have faith in, even in difficult circumstances. So we've been trying to figure out as a church who we are. Trying to figure out who we're trying to please and what we're going to do. I don't think it's helped us be very strong and not swayed here and there and tossed by the wind. What about you? Do you know who you are? Do you understand that it's not by chance that you're here, that God loves you? Do you know that he's the one you're trying to please? And if you started to set your life in order of priorities of what he wants you to do with your one life. The baptism candidates today, Eliza and Clement and Donnell and Liz, you know who you are. You're followers of Jesus Christ. You've declared it today. You've said, this is who I am. Keep growing in understanding who you are. Don't, Don't let the world tell you who you are. Claim daily his promises in your life. You're loved. You have a reason to be here. And know whom you're trying to please and seek first his kingdom in everything that you do. And the rest of your days seek to accomplish the reasons he's put you here on this earth. Uh, this morning, if you've never become a follower of Jesus, this is the first start to relieving stress in your life. Jesus said, come to me, all you who are weary and heavy laden, because he knows that the very first start of coming to him is to actually put your faith and trust in him and to know who he made you to be. If you've never put your faith in him, why don't you do that this morning? Say, I'm, I don't know who I am. I don't know who I'm trying to please. I'm sick of trying to please everybody else and I want to please the one who made me. And it may be that this morning that you give your life over to him so that you can use the rest of your life serving him for his purposes so that your life will count for eternity. Why don't we pray in these moments together? God, we thank you so much that in the midst of challenging circumstances, that in the midst of tough times, God, that when we try and deal with life difficulties, coming to you makes so much sense. 
Lord, help us today to ponder, to take time, to trust in your promises of who we are. Help us to always live to please you first and foremost. And God, would you take our lives and let them be consecrated to thee, given over to you, given in service. And Lord Jesus, as we follow your example, help us to live for you alone, with our eyes firmly fixed on you. In Jesus' name, amen.